Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Both hailing from parts unknown at a combined weight of 501 pounds. They are the Morning Rush Hour World Tag Team Champions. They have no fear, no back down, just a couple of gutsy guys. No one will take those MRH World Tag Titles from these men. It's Taz, it's the Moose, illustrious champions, right here every day on CBS Sports Radio. You know it's every day, Moose and Taz be picking away. Talking about every sport, you know that they never missing a play. From the NBA to the NFL, the college games. They always bring in the knowledge, nobody ever can try to go stop it. Only be talking the truth, only be talking the truth, hey. It is Taz and the Moose with you here on this Tuesday morning. Taz out sick, bogus, sitting in with me, Mark Malusis, as we come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. You've got Mike Pete across the way. Heller's got your updates as we take you for another couple hours, right up until 9 a.m. Eastern time. Coming your way later on this hour, Steve Diasi, former. NFL linebacker, NFL analyst will join Bogish and myself uh, later on this hour. Without further ado, let's get to it. Top of hour number two, the custom on a Tuesday morning, a little pigskin pileup. It's now time for the pigskin pileup. Taz and Moose circle the wagons around the NFL. Certainly do, Bogus. Let's head down to Jacksonville as there is a change at the quarterback position. Gardner Minshew is in, um, and Nick Foles is out. Uh, it's amazing. Foles, when he's in Philadelphia, whether it be Chip Kelly or Doug Peterson as the coach, <laughs> can play um, and help that team win a Super Bowl and will never have to buy a meal uh, for the rest of his life in the city of brotherly love when he's recognized when he visits that city. However... Um, with that being said, whether it be, you know, Los a- whether it be with the Fisher and the Rams, whether it now be with uh, Doug Marone and the Jacksonville Jaguars, when he is not in Philadelphia, I mean, he is back to being a terrible quarterback and we're a bad quarterback. And that's why you've seen now the quarterback change. He was pathetic this past weekend. Well, and that's why he's Nick Foles, right? I mean, I, I, this was certainly, obviously, a gamble for the Jaguars. I, I did not think it was going to work out in terms of Nick Foles being like a Super Bowl caliber quarterback for them over multiple seasons. I didn't think we were going to get to the end of all of this within the first year of a four-year, $80 million contract moose. But uh, I don't I don't know about you. This actually kind of took me by surprise yesterday when the Jaguars announced this. I thought they'd stick with Foles. Yeah, I, I thought they... Because... But I think you're looking at a team that's completely desperate 
and looked but at. But what are they desperate for? I mean, they're four and eight. They're not making the playoffs. No, they're not making the playoffs. But I think they're looking at a scenario where Foles was so they got to put the guy on the field that they believe in most, and they probably believe right now in Gardner Minshew is better at quarterback than Nick Foles is for them. And then do they start anew next year and they have an open competition? That's a great question. I don't know. I mean, because I would imagine there's going to be a coaching change in the offseason. Well, there's that too. I mean, Marone's not surviving this. I don't think he can. And that Jacksonville Jaguar team, the window is completely closed. I mean, the defense is no longer what it once was. They can't run it like they used to. You know, Coughlin's got to be pulled. Whatever hair is left in his head, he's got to be pulling it out of his head. Running that franchise right now. Uh, the former Giant head coach and the former Jaguar lead man way back when. Um, I, you know, but I would think that I would think that they're going in another direction. I would have to believe this offseason. and that would lead me to believe. Looking at the, you know, you, then you got to get into the particulars of that Nick Foles deal and see exactly how big of a teardown it's going to be for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do they view it as maybe? You know, this being a, a couple-year blip on the screen, let's get a new coach in, a new voice in, and everything changes, bring some new personnel in, or is this a case where they have to completely tear it down and rebuild again? Yeah, I mean, you you know the economics. If you're at the water cooler right now and you don't, um, if they cut Nick Foles after next June 1st, it's a $15 million, or it's a $21 million cap hit. So that money would just stay on their cap, completely unused on an actual player on their roster. If they were able to trade him next summer after June 1st, then they would save 15 mil of that cap hit and have just 6 mil in dead money. So, I mean, that's the financial decision they're about to make on a guy who's played, what, two and a half games in their uniform after they're giving him four years and $80 million? I know that Gardner Minshew, the story was amazing. I know he's good TV with the mustache and the headband and the kooky clothes and the, the backstory of him. But it's like Nick Foles, Moose. He's Gardner Minshew for a reason. There's a reason why he bounced around from college to college. There's a reason why he was a fifth-round pick. I, I the, the last thing we saw of him was him completely wetting himself in London. Right as they were talking on the broadcast, by the way, of Nick Foles' return is looming. We're going into a bye. They need to make a decision here. And then he had three rapid-fire turnovers. Like, he knew what was coming. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. And here's four more games from now. I, I don't think he's the guy for them either long-term. So when they get to the offseason, I've got no idea what they're going to do. I, I would think, I thought, Foles still had to be the guy, which is why I was surprised yesterday when they said what they said. Yeah, you know, and, and the, if you're looking to improve the trade value, keep Nick Foles in the game. Right. Maybe not. But still, I don't wanna... know. Is anyone, tra- even if he played well, well you trade him for well, Nick I Foles in that I don't contract? Know. I mean, you know, if he played well, then why would you trade him? I mean, there's that argument right. as well. I mean, then you have your solution at the quarterback spot, and you have a, you know, you're heavily financed into him, and you're paying him a lot of money. Why would you trade him if he played well? You could, that's, a, that's another way to look at it, too, uh, in all seriousness. So, uh, it's been a disaster, and I thought it would work. You know, I thought Foles had turned the corner. Uh, I understand the whole idea of he's Nick Foles, and this is where you drafted him. You know, he played really well, showed remarkable toughness in Philadelphia, helped them win a Super Bowl, was big in that Super Bowl game uh, when they took down the New England Patriots. Uh, there were a lot of things to like about what Foles did. I thought maybe he had turned a corner here. And this year, and maybe it's due to the fact that he suffered the injury early on and that broken collarbone, and maybe he's having a hard time finding a rhythm once again. I, I can't believe what I saw with Philadelphia is a complete and utter aberration, that he can't do that and be that caliber of player anywhere else other than the Eagles. I mean, can it? 
can a player just be great with one team and then he goes someplace else and he stinks? Well, I, I don't I know. I mean, is that a – because he was great in Philadelphia. He was great in He's Philadelphia. He's a conquering hero. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I think that might end up being more coincidence than a glimpse of what he is week to week. It's, I mean, it's, it's like Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and some of these other guys. They're great stories. They have great windows of success. But week to week to week, month to month, season to season is the issue. And that's what separates them from the truly elite guys, the guys that you bank on. Aaron Rodgers is always good. You know, Tom Brady is always good. Uh, the uh, Drew Brees is always good. These other guys have highs and lows, too many for my liking. And Nick Foles may have just stumbled upon the oddity of having his two, you know, his two or three most high moments as an eagle. And, you know, he's going to he's gonna play somewhere next year, and he'll have good games, and he'll have bad ones too. And remind you again, you know, that he's Nick yeah, Foles, I, and, I, he's, and he's not one of those top-tier guys. Well, but I... It's one thing to be a top tier. It's another thing to be unplayable. Yeah, and, and he you was know, bad he was in the un- first half well, he was unplay- on Sunday. Right, and he, he was unplayable. He became unplayable with the Rams. Now, I looked at Jeff Fisher, you know, and, and when they brought him aboard and said, well, maybe that had something to do with it as well. I mean, now <laughs> it comes to a scenario where they're going to Gardner Minshew once again after we saw the hot and cold nature of his run and him really cool off at the end as the quarterback down there in Jacksonville. I mean, they are a desperate organization looking for some competitive play at the quarterback spot going away from the guy that they gave $80 million away to in the offseason, which is an amazing story nonetheless. How about Philadelphia? You mentioned them. We talked about them. How about the Eagles coming off the loss down in Miami against the against the Miami Dolphins? Here's Doug Peterson yesterday, their head coach on WIP, on that loss. I give them a lot of respect. This is the National Football League. They played harder than we did, and that's why I said that I'm disappointed because of that. They wanted this one a little bit more than we did, and they made the plays, and we didn't. We were an undisciplined football team that, that cost us in in, in, in multiple situations that, quite frankly, are, are unacceptable by me. Wow, good answer. I mean, it really is. Uh, well, why did the why did Brian Flores, uh, you know, have his Miami Dolphin team playing harder when the Eagles have that division? Uh, you know, they can still win that NFC East and get themselves to the playoffs. Everything is still in front of them. Uh, you like that? That is a representable answer by Doug Peterson, who's facing a little bit of heat down in Philly uh, for you know the the job that he's done in coaching that team. Um, what they have not been able to accomplish this year. Uh, there's been many reports that there'll be massive coaching changes should the Eagles fall short of the postseason and not make it to the playoffs and win the NFC East here, Andrew. But that is an embarrassing loss nonetheless. You go in, you leave that game at one point in time, what, 10 nothing? You're a double-digit 28, favorite. 14 You know, 28-14. Um, you know, you're dominating. I, mean, I should say 14 nothing. You're dominating. Um, and then you absolutely and completely and utterly collapse with a lot of undisciplined play. Against a team that wants to lose. I mean, right. like in the grand scheme of things, they don't want to win. And by the way, they've won three of their last five to, to mess up their draft stock. Um, I, I agree with Doug Peterson. I mean, the things he laid out are on Doug Peterson. It's hard to pinpoint sometimes like what a coach is actually responsible for because – at the end of the day, the players have to play and make the decisions and make the right pass, make the right read, not fumble the football, but like discipline and want to. Like that begins with the head coach. I know some people think like, you know, these guys should always be motivated, but they're not robots. Sometimes they need a kick in the butt. They need to be put in the right place to be on the field, to do their best. That's what's on the coach. 
And those are the things that were glaring on Sunday that the coach is now admitting. Now, it's not time to fire Doug Peterson or anything like that. But I, and, and this sounds almost like a cop-out, Moose, but things are just not right for them this year between a chemistry thing, some of the assistance injury-wise. Well, the lack of weapons, right. getting Jeffrey back, right. not having Deshaun Jackson. For basically the year. whole season. Right, basically, yeah. Carson Wentz's regression or plateau, however you want to describe that. Like, it's almost like it's just time to punt on this year and go to next year. Sometimes things just don't align correctly, and it has not aligned correctly for Philadelphia this No, it season. has, and you mentioned the Dolphins have won three of their last five games. It, it's not the craziest thought in the world to look at the job that Flores has done down in Miami and think that he should get some serious burn yeah, I know for being head coach of the year. Uh, you know, they're, you know, they trade their most talented running back. They trade their... Uh, best defensive player. They trade their left tackle. And then what I mean by they, I mean management down there in Miami, uh, either before or during the course of the year. Um, and this team plays hard. They play hard each and every week. And he puts them in the best possible position, even with that talent gap, to give them a chance. Leading 14 nothing on the road in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, beating the Jets, beating the Philadelphia Eagles. Winning on the road, what? And indeed, I mean, there are things to like about what this Dolphin team has been able to accomplish this year uh, and and say, all right, well, we certainly have got our head coach because he deserves it. I get Tomlin's done. They're great. There's a number of guys that have done great jobs this year as head coaches in the National Football League. Flores with little to no expectations with a team that everyone expected to be the worst team in the NFL. They're not. And they play hard every week, and they have an opportunity to win more often than not. Anyway, my my guess is from an outside position. I mean, I did he win a conversation with the front office about who their quarterback was going to be? Because you'd have to think that everyone was on board for Josh Rosen playing and being bad, or learning that Josh Rosen was your guy moving forward, and they end up going back to Fitzpatrick, and that obviously has kickstarted this little push here. I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I it is. It defi- it's almost like a, it's almost fireable what he's doing, Moose, because the guys above him don't want to win football games. Yeah, I mean they were tanking. I remember having a conversation with, with uh, a Twitter back and forth with one of the listeners uh, I, I, about after Andrew Luck retired with the Colts, and the Colts were going to be, you know, they're going to tank. They're going to be bad. And I was like, no, 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 they might be bad, but they're not going to tank, which requires you to give away all your pieces. And the Colts didn't get up and trade, you know, didn't trade T.Y. Hilton and Darius Leonard. They've had their issues, obviously, but they continued to go forward. And my point back then to these, to the, to these two or three guys going back and forth with us was the Dolphins are tanking. The Dolphins are giving away everybody that's good, basically, because yeah. they don't want to win. And after doing that, they're now winning more often than not. And that's all about him connected to Doug Peterson. In no world should the Dolphins have wanted that game more than the Eagles, but they did, and they played it better than the Eagles, which, as Doug Peterson said, is completely inexcusable, but also amazing work by Brian Flores. No question about it. Completely agree. Let's head out to Cleveland. Here's Freddie Kitchens, their head coach, on whether or not he's feeling pressure, job security, his future in doubt. Take a listen. We've got a good young core uh, group that have not been in a lot of these situations. I told these guys the other night, you know, this was the first time we've been in a playoff-type atmosphere, and it was truly a playoff-type atmosphere. That's not true. And yeah, we started the game great. 
you know, and we can carried it on with the op uh, opportunities that we had through the first half. All right. And then the second half, they kind of took over the game and we didn't match it. And then the opportunities had presented themselves for us to take control of the game. And we didn't do it for whatever reason, offensively, defensively, or special teams. So the next time we're in those situations, I expect us to respond better. Um, I expect to do a better job. My, I expect my coaches to do a better job. I expect our corners to do a better job, our running backs, our quarterback. I expect everybody to get better from experience. Um, so, yeah, I think all these things that come up during the course of a football season, um, you know, make you better moving forward. Are you worried about your job? No, I'm not. Well, I mean, I mean number save the one energy. Is, That's number, smart. Well, number one is uh, last year at the end of the season, they were in a playoff atmosphere. On the road in Baltimore against the Ravens uh, with a playoff spot on the line. Remember that? Uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers needed Cleveland to win that game. That was a playoff atmosphere down in Baltimore. Uh, a, a game that ended on a C.J. Mosley interception for then the Baltimore Ravens. Now... Uh, a member after signing with the Jets in free agency, a member of the New York Jets having an injury-ravaged season. However, uh, for Freddie Kitchens, he could talk about the youth. When he took over the team, he said 7-9 wasn't good enough, <laughs> right? When he talked about, uh, you know, we have higher expectations. And I love when coaches struggle. All they talk about is the youth and the inexperience on your team um, and how guys are going to get better and they're going to learn from mistakes. He's going to get better. He's done a disastrous job. There's yeah. no other way to cut it. Uh, you know, and and the other thing is, Freddie Kitchens has got to realize that he's not just one of the guys. He's the head coach of the team. He cannot be wearing the dupe, uh, that dopey shirt he wore leading into the Steeler game saying Pittsburgh started it in uh, you know the Browns colors uh, and taking a, a picture, a selfie with a fan. Uh, he can't be doing those kind of things and being the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. That nonsense has got to stop if he even has a job after the season. Well, see, I, I think he's going to have a job because I don't think John Dorsey will admit that John Dorsey was wrong in giving this job to, to Freddie Kitchens after one season. But did you hear his new excuse for this shirt? He's like, he said yesterday, you know, I had this shirt on underneath the jacket. So I guess my fault, my problem, what I did wrong was extend my arm around the guy to take this picture, which opened up my jacket, which let you see the stupid shirt I was wearing. That's now how he's explaining away a just ludicrous decision to wear that shirt and to even own that shirt. I wouldn't even have worn it to sleep in just in case someone, like, took a picture of me on my back lawn, like, taking the garbage out in it one morning. Well, listen, I'm not gonna, I, I can understand if you're a player on that team. I could understand if you are a fan of the Cleveland Browns and you make up those shirts right. for you and your of buddies course, yeah. walking around, heading over to the bar. You're or the even head. dopey Matt Patricia wearing the right. Goodell clown T-shirt after the Super Bowl. Right. I, I, here's the. But at that time, he was what defensive coordinator. Yes. You, know, you look at it, and for the head coach of the Browns to be wearing it, and I did not hear that. That's a lame excuse by him. Uh, you can't be putting that shirt on. No, uh, you, you, there's you no can't way. Possess it. No, you, you can't be putting it on. It's a bad idea. It's a terrible idea. It's the wrong message to send. You're leading men, uh, you know, in, into a game. You're, you know, you are the leader of that franchise as being the head coach of the team. That is the wrong message to send, and that's the issue you have with Freddie Kitchens. And you're probably right. Probably not going to lose his job after this year. And you're probably right. John Dorsey doesn't want to admit that he made a mistake in naming him the head coach. However. 
Kitchens talks about improving and guys on his team to improve. He needs to improve as a head coach because some right. of the stuff that he has done and some of the messages that he has sent his team are dead wrong for a coach in order to have sustained success. Every every single concern you would have had about Freddie Kitchens getting this job on day one has come to fruition. At almost every turn, he has showed us that he's not ready to be a head coach. And that's just reality. It's not necessarily a knock on him. And he may end up being a good head coach at his second stint somewhere else as a head coach. But this one looks exactly the way you would think about a guy who's getting... He was a running backs coach, right? Or wide receiver coach. He was a position coach. I thought he was the quarterback coach. Whatever he was a quarterback coach, position coach. Then calls plays at the end of last year after they, they, they made the coaching change. Right, get rid of Haley. And now he's the head coach because Baker loved him because he was the quarterback coach. Sorry for that misstep. But he's, you know he jumped like three rungs in about four weeks, which is not how this is supposed to work. And, that's, and this is exactly why it doesn't work like that because you need to learn how to be a head coach. He doesn't know how to do it just yet every, in every single decision. Yeah, and, and listen, and I get why they hired him. And I defended it. And I might have done the same thing in the same place to placate my franchise QB. Correct. But it's blown up in their face. And not just that. The very fact of you you look at there's been a regression with the team and the performance of the win-loss column. You haven't gotten the best out of Mayfield. No. And that was the reason why you named him the head coach. Right. The whole reason was to make sure Mayfield was comfortable. The whole reason was for him to build on that 27-touchdown performance from a year ago to take that next step into super elite quarterback status in the NFL. And you haven't seen that. That's the other knock on Kitchens as well. You're not even taking care of the stuff in-house. Why he got the job. There's been a regression. So there you have it. A little pigskin pile up here on this uh, Tuesday morning. Malusis and Bogish with you. Brett Heller coming up next. And we'll talk a little Pats football. 740 as Steve Diasi will join us then. Uh, it's Taz and the Moose on this Tuesday morning. CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. And the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. That's your number to call. And CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. And Sunday, it's another NFL on CBS doubleheader. First, Baltimore's MVP candidate, Lamar Jackson, takes his show on the road to Buffalo, followed by a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game when the Patriots welcome the Chiefs. It all starts with the NFL today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, only on CBS. Malusis and Bogish with you. It's Taz of the Moose on this uh, Tuesday morning. Heller's in the house. Second time this morning. What's going on, Brad? How What's you doing, up, buddy? guys? What's going on? Everything's good, man. How about yourself? Good, good. Ready? Good. Uh, Connor. Connor. This uh, Thanksgiving just got me in the holiday mode, man. Just Let's just... 
Let's just get right to the rest. You're of the ready, holidays. yeah. yeah, yeah I did, did a little Cyber Monday shopping yesterday. Little I was bit. excited about yeah, that. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. I was home visiting my parents, seeing all the things that they could use around the house. So I tried to take advantage of Cyber Monday deals. Oh, there you go. Very nice. I'm ready know. for the holiday season. I'm with you. Our tree's up already in the house. There you go. Decorations are out. I'm sure, the boys are that, fired up. Oh, right? they're all excited. Yes, a little elf on the shelf. Everyone's excited. Now, is your tree? Behind a steel cage to protect no, it from your no, boys. No, no, no. They, okay. No. Last year we had to put the ornaments up high because Gregory, <laughs> who was then one, liked to play with the ornaments and grab them, and we a lot of them broke, or okay. a number of them broke. So we had half the tree kind of decorated; the rest of them were not. <laughs> uh, like the kind of, I would say, the lower third was not decorated uh, to try and keep him uh, the ornaments arms length away from him. Uh, but now he, he avoids the tree. Uh, but he well, not avoids it. He goes up to it. He's just not as involved mm. with that. He's into other things now, which is a good thing for us because putting up the tree was a little bit of a disaster. Is the kids could not help themselves trying to play with them, and they're throwing the ornaments, yeah. they're breaking this and that. So we lost the number of ornaments getting the tree up, but the tree is up nonetheless. We made a historic decision in the bogus household this year. We have, I have. Fake tree? My first artificial oh, tree. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I know. So I've only had a real tree. Not not to the extent of like going to like a forest and, you know, one of those like farms and cutting it down. And You're not tri- chopping your own tree now. No, no. You know, you go to the, the local place. I would place. love to see that. Yeah. We went to Stu Leonard's. That's where we went last year. Yeah, Stu Leonard's is great. But you know, Afford- like, not not a bad price on a on a good tree. No, I, I agreed. But you know, then you, gotta, you go to these farms; they'll charge you a buck fifty, buck seventy five for a tree. It's insane. They you rip you off. Go around the corner; you can negotiate. Maybe get it for the price <laughs> of a coffee. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> but then you got to drag it in the house, and the needles everywhere. It dies. It can't keep it alive. Getting it out of the house is worse than getting it in. And my wife never had a real tree, so she didn't have the emotional connection to a real tree, so she's been kind of poking and prodding to get an artificial one. And last year was enough of a pain that I said, you know what, fine. Now, did you go pre-lit? It's pre-lit, and it's oh got... Oh, my God. And how like, lazy can you well, be? Well, wow. see, here's I mean, the... Now, that is so... Now, now, does it change? You can... Now, does it have the function where you could either have white color, uh, you know, clear no. color lights, or, or, or colored lights? I believe it's only the white lights only. Oh, but it's also okay. got, like... See, here's where I where I dropped the ball. I, I gave the general okay for the artificial tree, but then didn't really stick with the shopping for the artificial tree. So it's also got, it's pre-lit, and it's got, like, a dusting on it, so it looks like it's been snowed on. Oh, my God. So it's... Did you steal it from a Toys R Us? So it's really not, it's really not a real tree, and... Wait a second. You bought a fake tree that has got fake snow on it? Yeah, it's got, like, it's got, like, white fake dust on it, so it looks like it's been outside, and now it's also decorated... All of our actual personal ornaments are on a smaller tree in a different room. This one is just decorated but with like red and gold balls. Oh and my god, so it's, it's a like, fashion tree. Yeah, which I did not sign <laughs> you up got, for. You, you did a fashion tree. I, I didn't. There's no personal to feel to when you walk no. into the bogus Christmas tree at all. No. So, so that's on a side tree. Here's on the here's the back end compromise is that the side tree will be a small real tree next year. So my I have a split level house. Okay. So on the ground level, which is like the den, which is where like all the kids stuff is and the TV, like so that's where the where they where the the secondary tree is. Right now that's a really cheesy fake one. Next year I'm going to get a small like 4 foot real tree 
for down there. On the on the upper level, in like our formal den, living room area, that's where this fashion wow, tree lives. Wow, you really buckled this year. I well, yeah, I buckled. And did then you I didn't even have a attention. say in the? Did you even have a say in the, in terms of the the colors? You're going red no, and gold. No, no, no. And that I, was your wife's decision. Apparently, I missed the conversation where I was told that we were getting a, that she was doing this fashion tree. I don't remember that at all. I just thought we're getting an artificial tree, and then that might have been at one like of your normal. barbecues where you ran through the vodka. It's it's po- no, that's too far ago. Was it? It's probably just like an early morning cartoons on the TV, talking over the kids, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. No, because okay, my okay. wife has said the same thing. Donna came up to me. She's like, next year I want to do kind of a, a themed tree, right? A themed or fashion yeah. tree where it's like one color ball and and do kind of ribbon and stuff like that. I'm like, that's I understand that. I mean, that's great if we had like a, a foyer and we entered and there was a grand entrance and, you know, right. there was this big looping staircase uh, that took you up to the upstairs. But no, I, I don't... I don't want that. Like, I, I live on a ranch. You walk in to the left. I want to see my old redskin, uh, you know, ornament from 40 years ago. I have a Giants moment. I, I, yeah, I want to see you know. the ornament. I, I want to see ornaments that my mom got me when I was growing up. I, I want to see ornaments that my dad got me when I was growing that's up. Like, I want to see that tree. kind of stuff. That, that to me, is is comes, you know, that's that's part of the feel of Christmas time. That That's what it's all about. It's not a matter of setting up and, and looking at, you know, one color style, you know, oh, today, this year we're going to go with the you know the uh, the uh, purple ball uh, with the uh, gold ribbon yeah. and no star on the no. top of the tree. I don't want to do that. Welcome I don't mind if house. the star's a little off. Yeah, welcome to the bogus house. That's lame. It's the world I live in right now. That is terrible. Mm-hmm. Bilotti, you put your tree up yet? Tree was up uh, right after Thanksgiving. Are you doing a, a theme tree? No theme tree, just ornaments and lights. Oh, good for you. But it's obviously fake because you couldn't make that bad boy live from Thanksgiving all the way to Christmas, Oh, yeah, right? no, it's uh, always fake in the bloody household. Gotcha. Well, mine, well, oh, there you go. Mine is, mine's real. Mine was up the day after Thanksgiving. And you're going to get it all the way to Christmas? Yeah. What kind of magic you guys have in the Maloosas What well, We had, a, you look at it, uh, Stu Leonard's has got this magic green. Uh, oh, I fell for that, that ruse last year. Yeah, so I, I, well, listen, we bought a, we, I, we didn't buy a gallon of it, but we bought a half gallon of it. I haven't watered the tree in basically four days now. So oh, yeah, I I'm sure it's water. doing well. Well, the, when we bought, listen to this. So we're there buying the tree. Uh, Should we let Brad talk? We will get here. We'll get to Heller here in a second. Well, I, we were by, buying bench. the tree from the guy. My wife goes to the guy, how long do, will this tree last? The guy goes, six months. <laughs> My wife goes, six months? Not true. <laughs> he goes, if you water, it'll last six months. I go, no, no. I, it, this tree's not going to last six months. Uh, how it's long dead, is it going to last? <laughs> yeah, right. How long is how long is this tree going to really right. last? He goes, well, if you keep on water, it'll last you a while. I go, well, it'll get us to th- Christmas. Oh, no doubt. Pa- well past Christmas. And my wife's like, I don't need a tree past Christmas. I just need you to get me to Christmas Day. Heller, you go real or fake? Um... Well, my my mom celebrates uh, Christmas. Um, oh, you're a non-believer. Oh, I'm not right. a non-believer. <laughs> she she just does a small. I was raised Jewish, but my mom was raised uh, Roman Catholic. She she still has with her a small Christmas tree that you plug in. It's got the little lights. We used to go when I used to go to my grandparents growing up. They did the real tree. The, the real thing. tree. Yeah, but like now, you'd go out and help them pick it out, or it was no, all set up? I, it was upstate New York, a few hours away. So by oh, the time gosh. I got up there, the tree was already ready to rock and roll. And the oh, presents right. were under it. That's all I cared about. Your mom but. did a, a small fake tree. 
She does. You know, one of those ceramic ones you plug in that's got the different color lights on oh, it. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, that's just a, nice. a very small one oh. that kind of sits on the you know on the fireplace. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. There you go. And there's always Christmas music playing starting day after Thanksgiving. Oh, it very always nice. starts. Yeah, yeah, there you go. A little All bit right. of flavor. Heller, I know you're under the gun because you got updates to do on eight different stations, so go ahead. All right, thanks, Moose. The report this report sponsored by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in fifteen minutes you could save fifteen percent or more on car insurance. The Monday night game, Dan Bailey with a field goal on the final play of the half. It gave the Vikings a 17-10 lead in Seattle, but the third quarter was all Seahawks. Wilson in the gun from his Seattle 40. Shotgun snap, drops back three, winds up, long-arching spiral down the near side, over the shoulder catch, more at the 25, down the 20, the 10, chased into the end zone, touchdown Seattle! Kevin Harlan on Westwood won 24 unanswered points for the Seahawks going into the fourth quarter, including two Russell Wilson touchdown passes, they held off the Vikings 37-30, Seattle gets to 10-2, tied with the Niners for first place in the NFC West. Seahawks, though, own the tiebreaker. Here's head coach Pete Carroll. I just couldn't be more excited to have that kind of win and, and to put us at 10 wins. That's a, that's a nice spot for this, this time. We kick it into the fourth quarter, and now it's finish time, and now we got to do our job. We, we haven't really done anything yet, uh, but the finish is there for us, and, and uh, with four games left, we got to make some noise and see if we can finish this thing off right. The Vikings are 8-4. Meanwhile, a game behind the Packers in the NFC North. Running back Dalvin Cook had a touchdown, but left this game with a shoulder injury, he said afterwards. That he'll be all right. One other NFL note, the Jaguars are going back to rookie Gardner Minshew at quarterback for the rest of the season. Nick Foles played just 10 quarters in his return from the broken collarbone. NBA, another double-double for Giannis. 29 points, 15 rebounds in just 22 minutes. The Bucks embarrassed the Knicks. 132-88 in Milwaukee. They've won 12 in a row. They're an NBA best 18-3. The Warriors are an NBA worst 4-18. They lost to the Hawks. 104-79 Atlanta snapping a 10-game losing streak. From college football, Washington head coach Chris Peterson is stepping down after six seasons at a couple of Pac-12 titles. The 55-year-old will stay on through the bowl game before assuming a leadership advisory role. Defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake will take over as head coach. From baseball, the Athletic is reporting that the Yankees are going to meet with free agent pitchers Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg over the next couple of days. They're both represented by Scott Boris, who just got Mike Moustakas a four-year deal with the Reds worth $64 million. Among the players that were non-tendered and are now free agents, Blake Trinan, Addison Russell, Kevin Gosman, Michael Franco, and Travis Shaw. Guys? All right. Uh, thank you, Brad. Uh, we'll chat with you again next hour. Steve Diossi is going to join Bogus and myself coming your way straight ahead. NFL analyst, former NFL linebacker. We're going to do that next. It's Taz and the Moose on a Tuesday morning. CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Mark Malusa's Andrew Bogish with you. Let's welcome aboard right now. Steve Diasi, NFL analyst, former NFL linebacker, joins us. Hey, Steve, Mark and Andrew with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. What's up, guys? How are you? Do well, Steve. Do well. And, you know, right now, when you look at the Patriots, you know, how concerned are you, Steve, about this offense? Uh, about as concerned as I was uh, even four weeks ago, uh, knowing that they'd uh, um, sort of fattened up on the easiest part of their schedule and they were going into games where they uh, they were going to have to score more than 13 or 14 points. Uh, I'd been saying it up here for a while and uh, that uh, the last year they pivoted uh, to a bit of a running game towards the end of the season and, and part of the playoffs. But they also had the uh, the personnel. They had uh, Gronk blocking. They had Devlin at fullback. They had they had Trent Brown at tackle. 
Uh, they had their starting center healthy. David Andrews has been gone all year. Now they've looked like they've lost even their backup center. So they had the personnel to pivot last year so you could see how they might be able to do it. Yeah, I'm scratching my head now trying to figure out how, where they're going to pivot and what they're going to do. But uh, I've, uh, even though I've known Bill Belichick and played Bill, uh, for Bill Belichick, uh, I've, there's been way too many times I've underestimated uh, him and his coaching staff's ability to, to do crazy things. So uh, there's there's hope for this offense, but I, I, I don't see that the talent level uh, matching up with uh, with what they're going to need in the long run, and the defense can only – uh, limit the damage uh, uh, so much. So it's it's. Uh, I I'm not feeling great about it, but I haven't felt good about it in three or four weeks. But all that being said, and and you mentioned this yourself a second ago, Steve. There there's still the Patriots. It's still Belichick. It's still Brady. Like I I see all the negatives and I see the bad trends. But until they're not, if they, until they have no more games to play, like I'm not really believing it just yet. Not that they're playing possum. These things right. are real but they still usually find a way to win the important games in January. So maybe the door is slightly open to beat them, but I still need to see somebody actually beat them when it matters in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And that's the, uh, the old lineup here is, uh, is in Bill we trust. And, and I, I have all the reason in, in the world to, to trust the guy. He took a, he took a, a guy like me out of uh, uh, out of uh, Dallas, where I wasn't playing at all, and made me part of a defense that won a championship. So if he could pull off a miracle like that, <laughs> uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, he can do all sorts of crazy things, uh, you know. But uh, it's just something about the X's and O's guy in me looks at it, and the and the talent level. Look, you look at it, you're like, okay, well, where is it going to come from? You, uh, where where is the help coming? And and. Uh, you know the the uh, lack of communication with not just young receivers, but with uh, uh, with a receiver that that should know better. Uh, it's there's all sorts of things going on right now that are uncharacteristic. Uh, and uh, you know the the crazy thing about it is somewhere in the back of his mind, Bill Belichick loves this. He loves the challenge. Hmm. He loves the the fact that there's uh, that he's up against the wall. I mean, he's been in every coaching situation there is to to be had in, in the NFL. And now he's in in a situation where uh, very few people up here they believe in him and believe in what the Patriots have accomplished and believe in the things they've pulled off. But the people are looking at it saying, "Where is it coming from?" And and uh, even someone who's been playing and watching and talking about the game as long as I have, uh, I have trouble figuring out where that help's coming from. Steve, there's um, you know there's been some talent on this roster at different times this season that it's no longer there. Guys that have been let go. Um, is there any blame for Bill or anybody else, or maybe a bad personnel decision here along the way that's put them in this spot offensively? Well, I mean, we will go over that. Uh, we've been going over that when it happened. We've been going over it during the middle of the season. Guys like uh, Demarius Thomas and and the uh, the release of Antonio Brown and. Uh, you know uh, some of the other scenarios, but uh, uh, but when when push comes to shove, uh, you, you look at uh, uh, you take last year's roster, and if you count the fullback and the tight end, two very very good blockers, uh, they were down even before they lost Ted Terrace. They were down four of their seven blockers, not just four of the seven. They were down four of the uh, of the best of the seven uh, uh, blockers. So the, the, that's that right there is the is the is as good a, a reason as as anything, but uh, uh, but again, you, you never really made the adjustment at tight end. You never uh, uh, once you uh, decided to let Antonio Brown go. You, there was nothing 
uh, other than uh, Sanu, who is a good receiver, but he's not in that same category as a game breaker. So yes, there's been there's absolute answer question. Yes, there's been people uh, questioning uh, uh, Bill Belichick and and the uh, the moves that he's that he's made. Uh, but that's all. That's been something that's happened uh, the entire time that Bill's been here, and I think people trust Bill as a coach uh, more than a, uh, a GM. But the fact is, uh, you, you don't have the success that the Patriots had without having uh, an incredible GM scenario too. So, uh, still, to, you know, this this stretches the boundaries of until we trust as far as the GM goes. But uh, they're still ten and two, which is ridiculous that we're talking about this about a ten and two team. It's, it's just amazing to me, but that's the expectations that the Patriots have and the Patriots fans have for themselves. You know, Steve, we were talking about it, Andrew and I a little bit earlier. Are you surprised um, or not at all by the job? Because we think he's done a remarkable job that Flores has done down there in Miami. Well, considering that they uh, uh, that they made a decision early on that they were uh, that it looked like they were going to tank, you know, and it looked like they were just uh, it was a fire sale down there, and they. Just decided that uh, that okay, let's store these draft choices. And uh, to, to the fact that they're playing competitive ball at this late <clears throat> in the season uh, is probably a, a bigger tribute to Flores and his and his uh, uh, the players that he has there. Some of the leaders on the team, you know, it's it's one thing to for an organization to say, okay, we're going to tank for these draft choices and we're going to do this or whatever. Uh, it's another thing for guys on the field to sit there and take it. You know, I've I've been on teams that have uh, that have struggled mightily during the season, uh, uh, but uh, it's it's rare to see a team that that organizationally has decided to pack it in, and then the guys say we're not we're not going to take this. We have this, and I and I appreciate that as coming from the head coach, and I appreciate that as coming from the leaders on the team, and and uh, and good for them. It, it bodes well for the future that they've got some guys that aren't going to. They weren't going to just accept their beatings and 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 go away quietly. So I'm, I'm I'm proud of what they're doing down there. Steve, what's the ceiling for the Bills in your mind? Can they win a road playoff game? Uh, that would be the that would be the biggest test for this for the uh, uh, Bills, and you know the lack of of uh, playoff experience is, is a big thing. You know you you, you wonder you see that. Uh, as a quarterback position, they've lessened the mistakes that they started off with. They started off terribly in terms of uh, interceptions and turnovers, and they seem to have solved a lot of that. Uh, you know that uh, I didn't get too excited about uh, the win down in in Dallas. Uh, I'm not sure that Dallas is uh, everything that they're hyped to be. But uh, but you know what? You, you start racking up these wins, and you look and you look at the uh, at Buffalo schedule and figure. Almost worst case scenario, they're going to end up with 11 wins, and winning tends to perpetuate itself. But when you get in the playoffs, it's a, it's a different deal. I can't imagine them uh, going into and I don't know whether it's Kansas City or Baltimore or uh, even New England. I can't picture them uh, winning a road game. But uh, but they've they've done some uh, amazing things. I I thought three or four weeks ago I said yeah, it's a nice run. We've seen this before from the Bills. All right, now it's time for them to pack it in. Uh, they've done the opposite. They've stepped up and, and done a, a done a nice job. You got to appreciate what they're doing there. Yeah, and and one team that you know ripped off eight straight wins. And how about the Ravens? They're the betting favorite now to win the Super Bowl. Steve, you know, it, 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 do you think everything that they're doing here in the regular season is going to be able to translate to playoff football? Uh, you're going to have to have a, a team that's capable of keeping the ball out of uh, Lamar Jackson's hands if you can. 
uh, do something that we've seen. You know, I, I just use Bill Belichick as an example because we did it in the Super Bowl 25, and I've seen him uh, do it in other Super Bowls where you uh, find a way to, to have ball control for 38, 39, 40 minutes out of the game. That's uh, really going to be the uh, the only equation. And even then, uh, they can score rather quickly. So if you can if you can do kind of what San Fran did, make make them you know keep up to you or make them at least or at least keep it as, as tight as possible. Uh, because once they get rolling, they seem to uh, pick it up both offensively and defensively. They uh, all of a sudden they, they, you see them pass you by, and then then they uh, then you see them really hit the accelerator. So yes, I, I think somebody can slow them down. Uh, we said we said a little bit of this about the Rams offense uh, last year, uh, going into the Super Bowl. But uh, but this I think is a a different situation because they can be very very physical with that run game and that three tight end offense, and they can be uh, they can be as quick as anything in that passing game too. So it's not like you can focus on one one thing and say okay we'll take this away. And see how they can react to that. They they can switch it up, and they've done a, a great job. But as much as I uh, I'm not I, I I don't want to admit it. They've uh, they've they, you got to look at Harbaugh's coach of the year, and you got to look at uh, Lamar Jackson as, as uh, the leading MVP candidate right now. No doubt. Hey Steve, happy holidays to you and your family. We appreciate the time this morning. We really do. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Anytime. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, you got Steve Biasi, uh, former NFL linebacker, NFL analyst. Uh, and maybe a team just needs Otis Anderson to run the football like the Giants <laughs> had in Super Bowl 25, right? We'll come back. We got the three for you. It's Taz of the Moose, CBS Sports Radio. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 